Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Katie Lance Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Lance. I'm an entrepreneur, social media strategist, keynote speaker, and author. But my most important role is wife and mom to our adorable two boys. I run our company, Katie Lance Consulting, side-by-side with my husband, Paul, and our passion is to help real estate professionals get smarter about how they use social media. Our Get Social Smart Academy has helped thousands of real estate agents and brokers take back their time and hone their social media strategy. Now, you may know me from social media, or maybe you've seen me from stage, or maybe this is your first time meeting me. In this podcast, I'm excited to share with you my success stories and take you behind the scenes into how I got where I am, how I've built our company, how I juggle being a wife, mom, business owner, and so much more. You'll hear from me, but also we'll be showcasing some of the great people we get the pleasure to work with inside of our academy. If you're an entrepreneur, small business owner, social media geek like me, real estate pro, or a mom, or maybe all of the above, you are in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. You're listening to the Katie Lance Podcast, and it is episode 61. I am so excited for today's podcast. So today's podcast is a special interview I did a few weeks ago. I had the great pleasure of interviewing one of my all-time favorite keynote speakers and authors, Ron Tite. Now, I first met Ron a few years back. I heard him speak in an event, and I have to tell you guys, I was totally blown away. So when his book came out back in uh, 2019, so last year, uh, entitled Think, Do, Say, I knew I had to get a copy of it. And I have since read that book actually a few times. I'm actually rereading it right now as we speak, as of the recording of this broadcast. And I have to tell you guys, if you are in marketing, if you are a real estate agent, if you ever thought about how to market your product or service or yourself or build a business in a really smart and thoughtful way, you will love this podcast. Ron is funny. He has more than 20 years experience as a stand-up comedian. Uh, Like I said, he's a keynote speaker. He's also the CEO and founder of the agency Church and State. Um, And we broadcast this interview that you're about to hear over on my Facebook Live a few weeks ago. And I wanted to share that replay here on our broadcast today. So enjoy. Um, I'm also going to post a link to his book in the show notes below. So check that out and on with the show. Let me uh, just quickly introduce our guest today. Um, I had the pleasure of hearing uh, Ron Tite a couple years ago. I was in the audience of an event, Heroic Public Speaking, uh, and I was at a conference with hundreds and hundreds of speakers. So to speak to a group of speakers, I'm sure was daunting (laughs) a little bit. And I sat in the audience and I was blown away. I was inspired. I was motivated. I laughed. I cried. And I was like, that guy is the best speaker I've ever heard. And I knew that whatever he published, whatever he did, I was like, I got to I gotta read it. So he came out with this book, uh, 2019, uh, which seems like forever ago, Think, Do, Say. And of course, I bought it right away. I've been kind of stalking him a little bit on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm super excited to have him here today. So keynote speaker, author, Ron Tite, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thanks for having me, Katie. And hello to everybody out there in Facebook Live Land. Uh, yeah, thanks for those lovely words. Thank you. Thank you very much. And those uh, HPS events with Michael and Amy Port are, um, it's great because it is it is different to speak to speakers. Yeah. And, um, but um, I, I think it's great because it, it allows you, anytime that I can customize 
the content and the method of delivery and the tone of delivery for a really specific audience, the better it is. Opposed yeah. to like, wow, you're in automotive and you're in telco and you're, you know, <laughs> you'd have to kind of take a generic approach to your messaging. So I much prefer doing it that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I wanted to bring you on the show today. Uh, we've been doing this series where we're featuring authors um, every month or so. And selfishly, it's a great opportunity for me to, you know, chat with some of my favorite authors and talk about some of my favorite books. And, you know, this book right here, for those of you who are watching live or if you're watching later on the replay, Think, Do, Say, we're going to drop the link in the chat later so you guys can check it out. Um, I read it a few times. I was actually th thumbing through it again last night. And um, <laughs> One thing that is not in this book is there's nothing about Apple. <laughs> uh, Apple is sort of the you know go-to marketing example uh, that we see in so many marketing books. Uh, for for people who may not be familiar with you and your background, Ron, can you just give maybe like a little thirty-second little elevator pitch about who you are, uh, just to kind of set the stage because we're going to talk a lot about marketing and branding today. Sure. Well, I've got the, like a bunch of different backgrounds. Uh, I was uh, uh, my background's in comedy, so I was a stand-up comedian for many years. And simultaneously was in advertising, um, eventually as executive creative director at Habas uh, Canada, which is a multinational agency, and then left to start my own agency, uh, now called Church and State, and um, who are just an, an incredible group of colleagues there. And uh, I mean, I spent a lot of my time speaking and uh, writing and kind of pushing thought leadership um, for um, I mean, it's it it straddles marketing, spends a lot of time marketing, but it's now is kind of morphing into a broader leadership message, and um, and uh, then uh, and there are two books. So the first one was Everyone's an Artist, or at least they should be, which is really just like what can we learn from pure artists, and then Think Do Say was really a reaction to. And I was just frustrated with some parts of business, you know. And I thought, I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's I'm going to do the Canadian thing, right? I'm going to just, I'm just going to put pen to paper, right? And, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, the book came out last uh, October, and um, just really, it was just a really fun book to, to um, write. I love that. Well, and I think what I really love about you is you're very. You're very candid, uh, you know, in terms of, of, of you know, your your examples and, and your ideas around marketing and branding. Uh, but you do so in a very thoughtful way, right? Very kind way. Uh, and I wanted to just kind of share, there's in, in the beginning of the book, you give this really great example of REI. And, uh, you know, a lot of us are familiar with what REI did, you know, back at Black Friday, they, you know, made this really bold statement of, hey, we're going to close all of our stores and we're going to we're going to opt outside. And there was this whole kind of you know, campaign and this whole thing around it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know it was a few years back, but that is such a great example of, you know, being true to their values and what they're really all about. It was a few years back, but what I think is really important is that it still exists today. This was not some Q3 initiative that they checked off, some box <laughs> they checked, you know, that it still exists today. It is a core part of the organization. And I think it is one of the best, uh, examples of how an organization has aligned what they think, what they do, and what they say. So on the think side, they had a belief that went beyond their product. It went beyond the thing that they sell. Of course, most people know them as an outdoor equipment retailer and a co-op, but the belief was, you know, we believe that a life lived outside is a life well lived. 
So that goes beyond what they sell, while at the same time being strategically aligned with what they sell. You know, they didn't say, we believe that kids should have a clown at every birthday party. Like, that just doesn't, <laughs> that's, like maybe, but that doesn't right. have anything to do with what, what they do. So it is strategically aligned with what they sell, but it is a belief that goes higher than that. Then the second part of, okay, how do we reinforce that belief through the actions we take? And, and so one of the examples was, look, on Black Friday, it's a horrible place to be a retailer. Um, I mean, maybe it's good from a profitability standpoint, but for your staff, it's horrible. So they just <laughs> said, no, on that day, we're, you can't come, you're, we're closed. And by the way, our e-commerce channels are closed too. So, and we're going to promote that everybody should be getting outside. Now, why I think that's really why the belief so carefully articulated is important in that with that example, is this was not an anti-consumerism message. And some people may have taken that from them, saying like, we shouldn't buy stuff. No, it wasn't an anti-message. It was a pro-message. It was a pro-outside. It was a positive message. And what they were able to do by showing that they could reinforce the belief with their actions was that it opened them up for other lines of business. So, um, you know, they have a... Um, a, uh, a travel company where you can book adventure trips on and they have an instructional part of the business. And so if you believe a life of the outside is a life well lived, you don't just have to sell the thing you do. You can do other things that reinforce that belief, which is great. And then the last part is, you know, if we as people and as organizations believe in something that goes beyond what we sell and we do consciously behave in a way that reinforces that belief, that's worth talking about. And, and and it's something that people want to hear about. But we really, again, have to be conscious about what we're specifically saying and how we're saying it and the tone in which we're saying it, especially now. Absolutely. Yeah, especially now. And I, one of the terms that you talk about in the book and uh, and you, you know, you, you've said it, you know, I, I didn't I didn't invent this this term, but there's a there's a term that. Uh, you know, every time I hear it, it makes me smile, and I think we can all relate to it. Can you? I, I think without saying what it is on my end, I'd love for you to talk about <laughs> what this term is. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, the ter that's a big lead up. Yeah, exactly. Um, no pressure, right? <laughs> this, yeah, this is where I drop like a bunch of f bombs. Well, the term is mother. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, the, the the term is pitch slap, and the the and again, I did not create that. Every some people think I did. I did not create it. I just heard it from a guy, Jordan, and he heard it from a guy, whatever. Um, and um, so I, th I think that a, a lot of us, a, a lot of people default to pitch slapping. And pitch slapping is when we put our needs ahead of the needs of other people. And so we go and we we maybe manipulate, we collect with them on LinkedIn and we go like, hey, I just want to connect with you because you look interesting. No, you don't. You just <laughs> want to pitch the thing you want to pitch. Don't create some, you know, don't start this relationship on a lie. I mean, come on. And, and you know, I just got something the other day from somebody who was like, I thought you'd love to see the article I wrote on LinkedIn. I don't even know you. You, what do you mean? You like so yeah. clearly. You know, you we just we think that that uh, it, and I, I don't think everyone's being evil with it. I just think no. we get in the way of ourselves, right? We think because we wrote it that everybody's going to love it, and and it's important for everybody. Well, of course you think that. So you right. really do need to put that 
stop and put that check in place to go, mm, is it just me talking to myself? Uh, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, and I love in the book that you've got this whole, um, you know, there's like, I don't know, this whole section about LinkedIn uh, in Think Do Say, uh, you know, just sort of the different people <laughs> that you meet on LinkedIn. Uh, and I was literally laughing out loud reading it because anyone who has spent any amount of time, and I, I do think LinkedIn's very valuable. Uh, yeah. However, uh, you know, uh, yes, we've all seen people who, like you said, just, you know, it's, it's a pitch lap. <laughs> it's my favorite platform. It is my favorite yeah. platform. I love hanging out there. And I have a lot of great, really constructive conversations with people, really helpful conversations where I get inspired and informed in ways I didn't know. But um, it's, it doesn't always <laughs> work that way. Absolutely. Um, okay, so I wanted to, to go back to something that you said uh, in the book. There was this whole theme in the book about this idea of being calm in chaos, being calm in chaos. And I thought, you know, that's so appropriate to what's going on right now. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what that means to you and maybe just some thoughts around, you know, what are people, what can people do right now during this obviously chaotic time that we're all in right now? Yeah, I've since developed that into something that uh, is called C to C leadership, which is chaos to composure. Hmm. And um, they, well, there's a, an interesting metaphor that uh, that I think seems to work really well for the time we're in, and um, the importance of work in our in our lives in a respectful way. And it, of course, it's almost like I feel like I have to put every caveat in here possible to say, like, I know, I know, I know there are way more important issues right now. I know that some of you are dealing with health issues, that some of your family members yeah. are dealing with health issues. We're parents who are like, I have a newborn and a, and a two-year-old, trust me. <laughs> and, and I'm dealing with this and you can see my roots, right? I mean, this is a horrible time. Um, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know that there are more important issues, but we do have to have the conversation. Yes. And the conversation is, how do we work? And um, so uh, the, and the metaphor is, look, when a, a race car is in a race and it's in the straightaway, anybody can put the pedal to the metal, hold tight and go. And that's for when, you know, when the economy is great and that's what many of us are doing. And I know, you know, that there are some real estate, um, some realtors on board here. And, uh, you know, we know this, we see this in real estate that when the market's hot, Right. We get these realtors who kind of swoop in because it's easy to sell houses. Then it's easy to buy houses on behalf of yeah. uh, of your clients. Now, it's because you're in the straightaway and you're gunning it. Now, once you hit the corner, well, that's a different race, because <laughs> the first thing you need to do is you need to slow down the car as you enter the corner. So you need to slow down the car. And the reason you need to slow down the car is because you need to gain stability. You need to have the car being stable into the corner or else horrible things happen. So within what we're going through right now, that was the first stage, which was probably six weeks ago, which is, whoa, where are my finances at? What's my pipeline? What about my current customers? How can I, you know, make sure I'm solving their needs? How can I just, how can I just bring stability to the business? What's my run rate on my payroll? Like how many months am I going to last if, if, if everything goes down? Like, you know, all that things. And it's like, you're in the car reading all the gadgets and the instruments, you know, giving <laughs> right. you all the information you need, how fast do I have to slow down? But once you get stability, a lot of amateur drivers like me, 
think once you're out of the corner, then you accelerate. Well, that is not true because the, <laughs> the professional race car driver knows that you accelerate when you're in the middle of the corner. Once you have gained stability, you need to accelerate so that by the time you come out of the curve, you have great momentum on your side. If you wait to accelerate your business until you're completely out of the curve, you're gonna be passed by everybody. So we need to have that conversation of how do we start to look at our businesses as leaders and create momentum as we come out of the curve. And I think the reason I now call it C to C of, of chaos to composure is when you're in a state of chaos, you need to bring a state of composure to it. And when you're in a state of calm and composure, you need to add in a little bit of chaos. So that's the C2C relationship. Because now that you're stable and you're in this composed uh, setting, to accelerate, we need to introduce a little bit of chaos. We need to start on self-disruption um, to look at the new opportunities that might be out there that we need to alter and change our process so that we can maximize other lines of revenue, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's really about bringing composure to chaos and bringing chaos to composure. I love that. I heard the uh, I heard the Canadian process in there too. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes, process. Uh, not process. My process. My process. Right. At, it's at just some so point, I'll say I'll say presentation as well, and yeah. that will throw everybody. Right. Right. <laughs> I well, actually, I, I, I'm, if I'm speaking in the U.S., I consciously say presentation, <laughs> uh, not throw people. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Um, I, I I really like that a lot. I think uh, bringing you know bringing chaos to uh, you know bring compassion to to chaos and chaos to compassion. I think that's that's interesting. I've never thought about it that way. And and uh, you know I think that brings me to a good point that I wanted to talk to you about. In, in the book, you talk about um, this beautiful analogy about Times Square. And I know mm -hmm. you work with some big brands. You know, and Walmart is one of your clients. You work with some really really large brands. And to have an ad in Times Square is amazing, right? I mean, oh my gosh, that's, you know, wow. But the challenge with Times Square is where to look, right? Everyone, you know, and yeah. it's not just up, you know, people on the street passing out flyers and, and, and whatnot. And of course, you know, with how things are right now, of course, things are obviously a lot different happening in, in, in New York, but I think it's such a beautiful analogy uh, and how Times Square is everywhere, right? And when we talk about sort of the chaos that's happening in general, just with marketing and everyone's eyeballs are everywhere, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, I think one of the things that so many agents and brokers who are listening have sometimes a challenge doing is, is just cutting through some of that chaos and standing out in like a sea of sameness, you know? Yeah. Well, in in in, in um, real estate, that metaphor of Times Square is incredibly appropriate uh, because on one level, you do. You have the establishment who is up top and the establishment has been there. We know exactly where they make their money. And um, typically, you know, 5% on the sale of a house shared yeah. between between agents and half of that goes to the brokers. We know the model. We know where you make your money. Right. <laughs> and and you've made a lot of money. When times are good, you can make a lot of coin. And it, the consumer can do the math and everything else, right? And so we see this great um, feed there. And um, we, we know that um, th there's a polish that comes with that. And so... Down on street level is what I call insurgent forces. That's a different level of entrepreneur. Now in real estate, the street level entrepreneur for a large, for most of them are the people who come in and go, I'm going to cut your fees. 
Yeah. Right. And 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 like the street level entrepreneur in Times Square, we go, it sounds too good to be true. <laughs> and when you actually do the math on it, um, maybe the percentage on the fee is lower and you hypothetically could save money. But what is not mentioned in that is what the people have done over the years to be so good that they land up top. And what they do up top is that that's a legacy of knowing the market and knowing the business. And so you may charge a less commission, but I'm a pro and I'm going to get this person $20,000 more for their house, which is going to negate the, the, the gains that you're supposedly making on the commission. So, you know, I think this is really important for, for real estate agents to go, look, Fighting the battle with the dude on the street who's cutting commissions, that is a race to the bottom. And you're a pro. You're better than that. So what you need to do is to double down on your purpose, is to double down on your expertise, certainly cut out any of the fat you've got in your process, but double down on adding value. I'll tell you, I have a real estate agent. My wife and I have a real estate agent who is phenomenal and she's wonderful and when my wife and I met and decided to to move in together, we each had a home. And so we sold two homes and bought another house with this agent. And I said, you're going to cut your commission, right? Because I'm bringing three <laughs> transactions to the table. And she said, nope, I don't cut my fee. But I'll tell you what. I think I can break the record for your neighborhood and what you're going to get for your house. And she did. And wow. I've never, ever had that question again of like, are you going to cut your fee? Because what I want is I want a pro. Now, while we're in the corners and uh, when we have chaos at our feet, this is when the pros appear. All those part-time real estate agents who fly in and out of hot markets, they're gone. They don't survive this time, but the pros, those people, this is when you win the race. The race is won in the corners because anybody can be in the straightaway. So I think that's it's time for us to. It might be more challenging. It might be more difficult. Um, but this is this is where you actually build your business. I love that. One thing I wanted to just kind of bring up because I think it's relevant to what we're talking about right now is this is this idea of of, of trust. Right. And it's, I think, a, a word that just like gets thrown around as if it's, I don't know, as if it's just the easiest thing in the world to establish. And mm -hmm. I think right now, like what I've experienced is trust is more important than ever before. Right. I mean, we, we are just, as you said, sort of pitch slapped all the time. I mean, I, I was chatting with someone the other day and she's like, I got six emails. I'm in some guy's funnel trying to sell me something. I don't even know who this guy is. Right. And she's, completely, you know, irritated about it because there's no trust, right? There's just, they, they have no idea who, the, who, you know, what's going on. So can you talk a little bit about that? It's, you know, again, sort of in the real estate space, maybe some ideas on how folks can can build trust. Um, and, you know, any, any ideas that you might have around that would be awesome. Yeah, there's a couple of things there. Um, one is that it's not made overnight. You can't buy it. Yeah. You just can't. You can't accelerate <laughs> it. You can't go, oh, there's no secret pre-roll YouTube thought leader who's going to go buy my methodology to the trust factor. Like, <laughs> no, this just doesn't work. And, right. and that's not a lesson that a lot of people want to hear. 
They want to know that, like, what's number one? I just want to lose five pounds. What's the diet? Can I just take a pill? What's the thing? Like, can I just, no, this is actually daily exercise where you get up every single day and do this. And that's how you build trust over time. So there's a couple of things there. One, which is um, the establishment up top does not have the trust right now because we, for many years, uh, the corporations put a shareholder value as the, as the most important thing. And so we, we deprioritized, is that a word? It is now. <laughs> sure. We you made it a word wrong. <laughs> Uh, we minimized the importance of customers in that, and we looked to shareholder value, and whether that was an individual agent who was a you know an independent business, or whether it was um, you know a large massive corporation, and and so people were like, "You're going to screw me! You're like, you're just going to screw me! You're in it for yourself. Your margins are too high. Everything else." And why that's important now, and I'll get back to the street level entrepreneur in a second, but why that's important now is that there is what I've called the purpose pivot, which is we used to have this set of ideals that we would talk about that we would say we believed in, that this is our, this is our mission, this is our vision, these are our values. And <laughs> I love the values thing. Um, I was with a, doing a speech to a international real estate uh, organization who will go unnamed. <laughs> and, and they're lovely people. I, I, I really do like them. But, um, and the CEO got up and said, our values spell, and it was a word, right? And I literally, I in my speech had something that made fun of organizations who <laughs> created acronyms from their values. And I went to the CEO after he spoke and I said, I'm gonna just make fun of you. I hope that's okay. <laughs> so because that's what we do, right? We just, we, we come yeah. up with great acronyms on what our values stand for and everything else. But the reality is you have to behave in a way that reinforces your values, because I, I should not read your values. I should experience your values. So yeah. if you're with a representing, let's say a large international real estate organization, like say Century 21 or, or Remax or any of the others, mm -hmm. um, though there is a set of values that exist for that organization, then you're probably part of a local brokerage who extends that brand on a different level. So now you're part of that organization who has a set of values. And then you have your own values as a real estate agent. The reality is that entire lineup depends on you, the agent, to deliver on the values. And if you don't deliver on the values, then the hold co level and the brokerage level, that all goes away. So it is really based in action. Now, a couple other things here that when the purpose pivot is that there is a... a presumed purpose when we're in the middle of a chaos where the community has said, I don't care what you have stated you stand for. You're going to join us and you're going to stand for the community first. And there was a great example that um, occurred in Toronto a couple of weeks ago. There is a grocery store that is in Toronto that is ridiculously expensive. It is a high end grocery store. It's like $8 for an orange. It's just one of those places, right? And they fancy, were charging. Fancy. Yeah, yeah, very fancy. And they were charging $30 for Lysol wipes. Oh my gosh. And people said, nope, that's ridiculous. That you're being completely opportunistic and you're hosing people because you can. And they've since stated it was a mistake, which I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. It doesn't really matter. The point is, 
they are a ridiculously expensive grocery store who never in any part of their mission or values ever talked about the value, financial value of the things they sell. But now <laughs> called them out or the premier, which is the equivalent of the governor of Ontario, called them out in a press conference. So wow. there's this purpose pivot, purpose pivot, which is a presumed purpose. We assume that you are all in this with us. And if you're not, you will be roasted. The action <laughs> now will define how you're perceived when we get out of this. So that's why trust right now is really, really important. And it's everything from your actions to the tone of your communications and 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 the the legacy uh, of what you've done over the years. That was yeah. a rambling answer. <laughs> no, I, I love that. It is the legacy of what you do over the years. And I, I really believe that trust is built you know, I've said this, you know, some of the people who, who are watching right now have heard me say this. I feel like trust is built and relationships are built with these small, tiny interactions over the course of time. You know, it's it's in social media, it's the likes, it's the comments, but it's it's obviously much more than that. It's these just little actions of, you know, the one-to-one. It's the stuff that you can't really scale a lot of times. It's it's that, you know, what do you do when no one's looking, when you're not on Facebook or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. So. It's funny that in in social people will say well what's your um how private or how public are you mm -hmm. and i'm an open book everywhere and the reason i'm an open book everywhere is because i like that i'm held accountable for who i am as a person and yeah. so i always think like you why would you want something behind closed doors and then you have one <laughs> little freak out you know like so i like being held accountable and I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, and don't get me wrong, there is something that you may remember from the book that's called an integrity gap. Yeah. And an integrity gap is when there are certain things we do that do not live up to what we supposedly stand for. And those occur, I haven't, I have them all the time, you know, where I think like, oh, this person probably thinks I'm such a jerk because <laughs> it was not my day or I just, I did something that's really not consistent with what I believe. And that is an integrity gap. And I think we have to understand that those occur for ourselves as well as the brands um, that we deal with. That sometimes it's like, that is not their day. This is not who they are as a person. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great reminder of, you know, especially right now, I've, I've been trying to, you know, do my part to just give people a little extra grace, you know, um, and not everybody's at their best right now. This is a scary time for a lot of people. There's a lot of different emotions. Everyone's dealing with it a little bit differently. And so some people, some companies are, many are doing the best they can. So I, I agree with you. Giving some yeah. grace and a wide berth. <laughs> I just had something happen yesterday where, um, because I've had to, obviously, I had to halt a renovation on my house. And um, so I'm in a room right now that I've set up um, that is on a, third floor that is half finished and it's a mess right there. But beyond that door is chaos. But <laughs> uh, so I needed to get equipment because a lot of the stuff is in my office. So I went out and, you know, and I bought, you know, additional microphones and lighting and, and stuff. And there were a few things that I'm like, man, it is taking them forever to, to, to <laughs> deliver. And it was a local sound and um, a music equipment place retailer that I that I bought it from thinking I'll go local and um and it was literally like three weeks and then I I called and said because it was only a web number and I'm like where is my order and I didn't hear back and then another week went by and I called again I left another message and then the guy called me back yesterday and he goes you're not gonna believe this it it was just 
a perfect storm for your order. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. We didn't see it. It didn't generate a thing. I didn't hear the voicemail that like everything went wrong. I've been able to track down the components you ordered from a store in Nova Scotia. They've gotten them on a bus. It's just coming to you tomorrow kind of thing. Wow. And he's like, he could not apologize enough. And I was like, oh, what, really? Because you've got, what, a global pandemic going on? That's a good <laughs> enough excuse for me. I, I think I'm good. Right. And that's why I'm sitting here with a snowball and not a, you know, a, the microphone I ordered. Right, right. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's probably a, a good transition to us wrapping this up. I, I so appreciate your time. I know you are so busy. And, uh, you know, I, I do not I, I'm not a fangirl for a lot of people. But I have to say, Ron Tide, I'm I'm a fan of yours. I think what you do is just is just awesome, and uh, you're speaking my language. <laughs> well, thanks, Katie. Thank you for uh, thank you for doing this. I think uh, you know, um, some data came out um, uh, two days ago that at least Canadian consumer habits are that uh, the streaming of uh, Netflix um, is decreasing now because people have oh. been at it for too long. And we're getting tired of seeing that. So thank you for hosting these very valuable discussions for people who are in the middle of the corner. And thanks to everybody for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And you mentioned you're in the middle of a remodel. So just for everyone listening, this is just a quick recap. He has a newborn, a two-year-old, <laughs> and he's in the middle of a remodel during a global pandemic. So Ron, you're amazing. <laughs> no, but you know who's more amazing? My wife, who is right now on the other side of that door with two children. She's incredible. Uh, well, give her a big, uh, a big hug and a big, uh, a big virtual hug from me, and a big thank you. I, I appreciate that so much. Will do. So, so thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in live. We sure appreciate it. I put the link to Ron's book in the chat below. It's called Think, Do, Say. Just pick it up, right? Pick it up. There's a hardcover book. I love the hardcover copy. I'm, I read a lot of books, you know, through my Kindle, but there's just something about a book, you know, like yeah. a physical book. I can mark it up. Um, if you're looking for a good read right now, as you are thinking about your business and the chaos that's kind of happening right now, and you're, you know, you're, you know, perhaps using this time to, you know, kind of think about, you know, what's the rest of 2020 going to look like? What, you know, what are, what are some of these things that, that Ron's talking about? Definitely pick up the book. You can connect with Ron at rontight.com. He's an open book on social media, as you said, so you can connect with him on, uh, on social media. And again, if this was helpful for you guys who watch live, feel free to, uh, to tag a friend, share this out. We're also going to put this up on the podcast in a few weeks as well. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Ron, thank you so much. I so appreciate your time today. Thanks, Katie. Really appreciate it. Stay well. We'll see you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you've liked this podcast, I'd love if you'd subscribe and leave me a review. Also, make sure you visit me over at katielance.com where you can sign up for our free email newsletter, find out about upcoming events I'm speaking at, and check out what our Get Social Smart Academy is all about. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.